If you're a hardworking professional struggling to reach financial freedom, I would like to help you out as much as I can in a free 15-minute strategy call. When I started investing in real estate in 2009, there were no resources for high-paid W-2 workers like myself. I wish I had someone who knew how to get to financial freedom and had the same professional pedigree as me point me in the right direction. As I wind down the year, take a little break, and as a limited time holiday gift for those who have not had the chance to connect with, I would like to start a relationship with you folks by giving you a free strategy session. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com talk to schedule that today, as there are only a limited number of slots available. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Alright, hey guys, this is Lane from the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Please go to the website and sign up for the uh, new start program. You can go to simplepassivecashflow slash start to uh, sign up for the newsletter there. And also remember the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. Today, I've got Kyle McCorkle. Kyle is pretty much a carbon copy of myself, another industrial engineer turned real estate investor, still uh, That's right. in the, uh, the grind, right? Right. <laughs> Stumbled upon your website, uh, realliferentals.com. You guys should check, definitely check out that website. It was stumbling upon there, and I was like, man, this guy's putting all his numbers in here and rentals, and that's all the stuff that I don't do because like, I'm just like, man, it's too busy. Like, I haven't even done... Uh, my last year's tax returns yet. I mean, I had the yeah. to even do the bookkeeping yet. So quite frankly, I don't even know how much money I made last year, which people think is like crazy because they think, you know, I'm an engineer, but I just don't have time for it. And I just don't care. I kind of know how much I'm making. I mean, I see the bank account going up, but. Exactly. <laughs> How'd you kind of get started with that, that website? In my like quote unquote real job, like you said, I'm an industrial engineering consultant. And so I spend a lot of time kind of helping clients understand how their workforce is performing. As I got into real estate investing, I started asking the question, how are my properties performing? Like a good industrial engineer, I built myself a spreadsheet and I've had that going for a couple of years now. People started asking me questions about how are you doing this? Like how much money are you actually making and stuff like that. And um I was asking those same questions when I first got into real estate investing. And so this is kind of my way of kind of, you know, paying that, paying that forward and sharing that in, in information on a monthly basis to show exactly how each one of my properties are performing. And it, once I got the spreadsheet going, um, probably takes me about an hour each month. I basically do an export out of my bank account, plop it into my spreadsheet, and then it populates all kinds of pretty graphs. Yeah, you know, you probably know this book too. It's called The, the Goal. They make every industrial exactly. read. Yep. Uh, they make a lot of management read it, but it's this book, like it's, I think it's like a story. I yep. quite honestly didn't even read the book. I just looked up the uh, cliff notes on it, but it's essentially this story. He goes to a manufacturing plant. And they're measuring all this random stuff. They're doing all this random stuff. And then they kind of lose sight of what's the freaking goal. Exactly. You know? So exactly. Kind of like, I mean, why are we doing all this investing? Why are we do- tracking all these stats when in actuality, the only, the only reason you're doing it is to make money. So right. it makes sense right. to track it. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you go and you, you go to buy a property and the first thing you do is you are supposed to run the numbers. Um, and then you say, okay, this property is going to cash flow $200 a month. But really what I'm trying to say is if I estimated that it would cash flow $200 a month at the end of a year, two years, three years, did it actually cash flow $200 a month or did it negative cash flow or did you get 300? And that's where you and I really differ because it's like after I bought these properties, a lot of the, the the rents went up slightly, but then a lot of the, like, the property taxes went up. I don't pay that. So like, it kind of just goes up. And I mean, I, I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I really commend you on, on doing it. And again, the website is real life for rentals. You know, let's get to know you a little bit better. First question we always ask all the guests is how much simple passive cash flow are you making today? And how are you doing it? And your definition of simple pet, passive cash flow. Can you, can you tell me what you mean by simple passive cash flow? I mean, I guess turnkey rentals today, people make the argument that it's not really passive at all, but 
let's just call it what it is. You know, it's not like you're flipping houses or doing something. Right. Crazy. Like, you know, you're doing this in the side, on the side of your day job and it's definitely a secondary thing. Right. Yeah. How many, how many houses in an average, how much cash flow are you bringing in per? Per month. Yeah. Yeah. So I think your definition is the same as mine. Um, Cause when I first got into this, I said, I, I want to invest in real estate so that I don't have to work. And it wasn't so that I wouldn't have to work my real job and then just pick up another job managing rentals. Um, so I define my cash flow is at, as the money that's coming in minus the money that's going out. And that's money that I'm not having to actively work for. So um, to answer your question, I'm making about 1700 and that's, that's pro forma, but it's actually, it's, it's also based on actuals. Um, and I know that because I do the, the tracking every month. Um, but that's, that's, you know, taking into account the vacancy, maintenance, CapEx, and management. Um, and I do have seven rental properties so far. I should say I have seven performing rental properties. I actually just bought another one that I'm doing a light rehab on. Um, and like I said, that is passive for the most part because I have a property manager for each one of my properties. Right. So after I do that initial buy, after I manage the rehab with my contractors, and then I hand it off to that property manager, um, it's pretty much hands off at that point. So that 1700 a month, I might spend an hour, you know, total reading statements and, you know, going back and forth with my managers, but really don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Right. So let's, let's dig into the numbers a little bit and, you know, what, what kind of properties they are. At this point, we don't know if they're class A, class B, you know, I guess what, what class of property would you say they are and, and uh, where, where in the world are they? Right. So when I first, so I, I live in Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, which is in central Smells Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Smells like chocolate. Um, so I bought my first two in central Pennsylvania. Uh, really for the, my first couple, I really did not know what I was doing. Um, I just kind of jumped into it. I wanted to Real estate seemed like it made sense. Right. And even for a smart uh, guy, it takes two or three, right, to kind of get the oh, hang yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know anything about, like, any resources or I wasn't reading the right books. I didn't know anything about, like, bigger pockets. I wasn't listening to podcasts yet, but it just felt right, so I just started buying properties. Yeah. Um, so my first two, uh, first one was a fourplex. Uh, it's about 20 minutes down the road from me. Um, here in central PA. Uh, my second one was a townhouse. It's like a, well, the fourplex is like a, it's probably like a B, B class. Yeah. What, what were the rents per unit on that one? Those started out at 550 per unit. Um, and they're all one bed, one bath, just no frills, apartments. Um, I did, I did when I bought it, I thought that it was under, under rented, like under, under market value. Um, so, I've been working with my property manager to raise those all up to 625, um, which I think three out of the four are up to that 625. So it's definitely it's definitely cash flowing much better than when I when I first bought it. Yeah. So we got the B class fourplex. Um, then I have an A plus class townhouse, um, and I it, it's way too nice to be a, a rental property. Were, but when I first, were you got, able to hit the 1% rent to value ratio on that one or no, no. And, and, and like I said, I didn't know what I was doing at first. I was just like, oh, I it looks like it'll cash flow, but I wasn't really, I didn't know how to do like a cash on cash return or anything like that. Um, and looking back on it now, I'm kind of like kicking myself because I'm like, I got a lot of, equity tied up in both those properties yeah but it's, it's um, cool i mean you got you started and and it's a hell of a lot better than the stock market exactly exactly yeah. right so we got the a the a plus class townhouse um around that time was when i started to get educated i started to learn about the one percent rule i started to learn about how to set like a cash on cash target and what i found was um, I was having a lot harder time finding the right deals. Uh, once I put them through that 1% filter 
uh, once I put them through that cash on cash filter. And so I started getting patient. Um, and then that's when I switched to buying a couple turnkey properties. Um, so I decided to go to uh, in, in Indianapolis and bought a couple turnkey properties out there. Um, I bought and, them. And what, what year was this? So people can get it. was, I want to say it was 2016. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of when I was buying out there too. And it was a lot yeah. different than today. Yeah. The one's like a B class, the other one's A class. Um, for the most part, they've been awesome. Um, and then I actually bought another one in Indy. That was, it was kind of a wholesale deal. And then I tried to do the long distance rehab and I really didn't like doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love my manager out there. I think he's, he's the best manager that I have. And I feel like I have a better handle on what's going on for, with those properties than I do with the ones that are 20 minutes down the road. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to hit you up for that guy because my, my PM just got a lot busier because, uh, a very high profile, famous turnkey provider turned out to be a scam artist and, um, they got flooded with all their inventory. So, (laughs) okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll chat after. (laughs) Yep. I can definitely, uh, hook you up with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. So, so in terms of like the the overall numbers, you got a little spread of all different kinds of things. You've got a couple, you know, quote unquote mistakes, even though you're, you're making a lot of money with the A class rental, but you know, for the most part, um, you know, Maybe, maybe let's just do it. Let's you and I can do like a, a sample example for people buying that prototypical $100,000 rental property a month yeah. rental property, about a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Um, what would maybe break it down like how much you'd be going to vacancy, how much you're going to maintenance, capex, and management just off the top of your head? Okay. Um, so I would say, and are we consider this considering this to be a turnkey property? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. class B minus. You know, yeah. if it was a if it was a broker telling you, you know, because they always lie, it'd be like an A minus in their opinion. But right. legit E minus property. Yeah. De- depending so which I, way the wind blows, maybe a C minus to Right. Right. C plus, yeah. So I would say if it's a B or a C class property, you would definitely expect there to be a decent amount of maintenance. Um, but the way that I remember it is, so you take your $1,000 rent, and then I break down my expenses by the, the acronym VIMTIM. Um, so vacancy, uh, insurance, maintenance, uh, taxes, and management, right? Haven't, haven't missed anything. So with vacancy, I- uh, Well, you get your CapEx too, and is that in there or is that kind of separate? I, I generally lump CapEx in with maintenance. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do to kind of like break that out separately. Um, but I mean, when I first got into it, I just thought I got money coming in and I got money going out. So it's, it's maintenance, whether it's uh, fixing a plumbing issue or putting on a new roof. Like to me, it's just maintenance. Right. Um, all right. So for vacancy, I would do one twelfth. So, which is about 8%. So 8% of a thousand would be 80. And then for insurance, I would say on a hundred thousand dollar property, depending on where it is, um, might be seven or 800 a year. Um, it, it's kind of hard to go off like a percentage on that one because it's so small. Yeah. So let's say it's, let's say it's 800. So whatever 800 divided by 12 is, um, what is it like 60 or 60 yeah. or 70, 60, 70 bucks a month. Yeah. Let's, yeah. So let's call that, let's call that 70 month. Um, maintenance, even if it's turnkey, I'll use at least 10%. Um, I think a lot of turnkey companies would tell you less, like 5%, but I like to double that, especially if it's a, if it's an older property. Um, like if I'm doing, I, I've been doing some brand, like basically 
gut job rehabs locally and I still budget 10% maintenance. Yeah. What's your um, thoughts on like the, the, the data of the home? Is there any, um, you know, more older home, more maintenance, newer home, less maintenance, and, or even any, is there any even correlation there in your opinion? I think there's definitely a correlation. Um, like my A-class townhouse, uh, I have zero maintenance on it. It was built in 2008, I think. Um, actually, it might, it might have been 2011, but, you know, versus like some of the houses that I'm buying now are 120 years old. Um, and there's just, there's so many more things that, that can go wrong. Plus, right. plus there's a different type of tenant um, who's going to be a lot tougher on the property. Yeah. If it's an older property, like uh, I would say 50 or more years old, definitely budget 10%. If it's less, you know, maybe, maybe budget for less, but I would never go less than 5%. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, with, with single family homes, I don't really have a clue how to really model it. It's so like all over the place, but like, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. apartment homes, the way the thought is, you know, that's people, people always ask like, well, why do you sell in like five years? Well, like, you know, you buy a 1980s property and you, you only have so much value you can get out of that building before, like, it just totally goes, not very useful, it becomes an old property nobody wants to live in. You know, it gets built and then it gets old 20 years to a 1980s building and then we buy it, get back up that C curve and take for that one last ride. Right. Once you take right. a 1960s property, I mean, it's kind of on that last leg. You just want to get out at that point. That's true. Yeah. But, but I think houses, I mean, look at the stuff in like Cleveland, right? All that 19, like 1900s built stuff. I don't know yeah. if it's, it's quite the same, but that's why I'm kind of selling all my single family homes. Because I feel like at some point you're going to have this huge CapEx tidal wave coming. Just take away all these gains from the years I, ahead. I completely agree. My kind of the way I've been looking at my, my single, single family homes is I don't want to hold them for too long. I, I want to hold them for maybe five to seven years. When I buy them, I want that. I want a new roof, I want a new furnace, I want new everything, but I don't want to hold it for so long that my seller is now going to say, Hey, can you put on a new roof? Hey, can you put in a new furnace? Can you put in a new whatever? Um, I want to sell to that, that, you know, primary home buyer. Uh, Cause they're, they're going to pay a lot more. Right. And if you think a lot of these, the, the life on these things, and I've got like a cap X chart, how long these long-term systems have you guys, I think yeah. you guys can go to the website and, and download that. I mean, you look at some of the longer term components, like a roof, like 20 years. I mean, if, if we're going to go off what you're saying, if the, if the, if the buyer is smart, they'll be like, okay, 10 years is the half life on this thing. Right. You've got to sell it before that period to have a really good justification when you go to that negotiation table. It's like, exactly. no, dude, this thing is eight years old. More than half of the life is here. Yeah, give yeah. me a break. <laughs> with, with you and me, with, I mean, we both know when you're buying a house, that's one of the things that, that you look at. Like, if you see that the roof is close to being shot, then you can, you can go back to the seller and say, hey, give me 5000 bucks off, off the price to pay for a new roof. Right. And I, I do not want to be the seller, you know, who has to pay for that roof. Yeah. And, and, and myself sitting in the seller's shoes right now, cause I'm unloading all my property. I'm like, if you came to me and, and you're a reasonable guy, I'm like, sure. I don't want to fix the, I don't want to wait another three weeks to sell this stupid thing with a new roof. And maybe you bug out and some other excuse. I'm just going to give you the five grand. Right. The bigger and better things that's how you need to be putting yourself in that mindset. I think when you're buying it, think about the sale, think about the exit strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Begin with the end in mind. That's one of my, one of my uh, favorite quotes. I'm super excited about a new program I'm rolling out. That's going to reinvent scammy real estate education programs. So excited like Marie Kondo cleaning stuff up, excited. Announcing my new mastermind program, which consists of a closed member site with 27 packed weeks of content, plus bi-weekly group video conference calls to ask whatever. Half of the calls will be centered around granular investing tactics, and the other half will be holistic wealth building strategies that I have learned from the wealthy. That's 25 plus hours of group coaching and masterminding, and a secret Facebook group too. I know what you're thinking, not another flipping Facebook group. Well, this one's going to be different, more intimate, exclusive, and no cheapskates or shady vendors in it. I've been coaching individual clients over the past couple years, and I figured out what you guys need and a way to provide it in a cost-effective way. 
learn more, go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash journey and join before the first cohort fills up and the introductory pricing goes away. So um, I think I, I interrupted you there. Did, did we kind of get through the whole, um, how you run that, the numbers there? Uh, so we were, we talked about, so the rent's a thousand vacancy would be about 8%. So that's 80 insurance would be 70 maintenance. I'm going to budget for 10%. So that's a hundred, um, taxes. I mean, taxes can really vary too, but that, yeah. you know, I think that, insurance and taxes, you just got to run it. You got to get the actuals, right? Call people, go to, you know, go to the website, figure it out yourself. Taxes. I'm just going to say a hundred, um, all right. And then management. So I think one of the mistakes that some people make is, uh, you know, if a turnkey provider gives you a pro, pro forma and they'll say, oh, we only charge 7%. So they would put in that management 7%, but there's a lease up fee. So every time you get a new tenant, you got to pay that lease up fee. And that, and typically that's like a half month's rent or maybe a, even like a whole month's rent. Mm-hmm. So I usually add a couple percent onto that as well. So if someone tells me 7%, I'm going to bump that up to 10. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and another thing, I don't, I don't know where you, you know, when you go through a turnover, you're going to have a couple of weeks at the very least of, of no, uh, no prop or no tenant. And you're also going to be usually paying half the month's rent, or if you ever um, lower class rentals, you might even paying the first month's of rent. Um, some people, I model it in that, that property management. So I'll actually put it as 12% as my, yeah, makes or, sense. or I'll stuff it in the vacancy, but you got to put it somewhere. Right. Just right. something to be thinking of if you guys are doing the, the numbers at home. Um, on average, what's the, um, how long are your guys staying in your guys' properties? So I do notice a gigantic difference in the rental market between central Pennsylvania and Indy. Um, India is crazy. Like, uh, I think my, I just had my first couple turnovers in Indy. Um, so my first two tenants stayed for two years. Um, and then I have a tenant in there on like a three or four, something, some crazy, like long lease. Um, but then like the crazy thing about India is it's like, those, those turnovers so fast. Like there's so many tenants looking for properties. They're willing to pay high rents. Like I, I feel like I should have raised the rents like, like a like hundred dollars because there's just so many people looking for good places to rent out there versus here. It's like you wait a couple of weeks and then, Oh, we finally got someone who wants to live there and they're, but their credit score is 450. So um, it's just uh it's such yeah. a big, yeah, I, I I see my guys staying usually about a year, year and a half on average. But here's a industrial engineering question for you: the, the the distribution is not like a bell curve. It's not like you know even like here's a year yeah. and a half. It's more like most people will stay just under a year, so very yeah. front loaded. And then the and it's like Poseidon distribution or whatever that is. Right. <laughs> but there's a there's a small cohort that will stay for forever, like four or five, right. four years plus. Um, obviously those are like the 20 of the 80% or even maybe even less, but those are like right. the golden tenants. Um, exactly. Is that kind of what you're seeing too? Or is that kind of just amongst what I'm seeing with my smaller samples, small sample size? Yeah. So I've had a turnover in every single one of my units, except for one or two of those one bedroom units. Um, in my very first property. And, and honestly, I think that like, like long-term, I think having more of those small uh, multifamilies with cheap rents, like with one or two bedrooms and just people who like, they might be like a single teacher or something. And uh, they just live there forever. It's, it's awesome. (laughs) You would think it'd be the opposite way, right? I mean, when we, when we model like apartment complexes, we usually like to see the three bedroom, two baths, two bedroom, one baths, because that's more indicative like a family. Yeah. But I can see what you're saying too, right? Like there's some people that are just going to be single forever and 
And it's so easy to make, <laughs> so easy for anybody, well, it should be, should be easy for anybody to make a $600 rent payment. Right. You know, versus like some of the people who are in these, you know, single family homes where the rent is like 1200 um, they like switch jobs or like, you know, can't they're, work for some reason. economic mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I've had a couple of, of my single families where, you know, that, that person had their car breaks down. Oh, all of a sudden they can't make that, you know, $1,200 rent payment. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's kind of why it, it seems like the $600, you know, one bed, one bath, cheap, no frills. Um, to me, I think that's, that's part of my long-term vision is to have a bunch of units like that. Right, right. No, make it. It, it makes sense, and it, and it is a little counterintuitive to what the kind of the books tell you, but it does make sense. If you guys want, um, I mean, that's Kyle's way he kind of underwrites the properties, which I think is great. I've got my calculator online, simplepassivecashflow.com backslash analyzer. If you guys want to get a hold of that, I have, I have footnotes too on each of these categories. Different ways to slice this thing, right? And I think single family homes are like all, and it's very subjective based on where you're at, and it. it it's hard to get a good sample size of this too. I mean, I've got had 11, Kyle's got just as much and, and, you know, here, here's a couple of experienced guys, you know, with a little bit different feedback and it, that's why this single family home stuff is kind of all over the map. And honestly, like, I, I think it's, I think it's important to run these numbers, um, you know, and just get a number um, and just see on average, will it cash flow? But Here's, here's the thing. If you buy 10 properties and you run these numbers and you say, okay, they're all identical. They should each cash flow, let's say 200 a month. One's going to cash flow 400. One's going to cash flow 300. Uh, five of them are going to cash flow, you know, 100. And a couple are going to cash flow like, like right on the dot at 200. And maybe like one or two are going to be complete losers because, there's something that you didn't know about, like you getting like water in the basement and something crazy happens. So, um, but I think the key is like, this is, this is on average how you would expect that property to perform. Um, and kind of like what, what you're saying lane is like, when you buy a, a single family, like it's a lot harder to predict how it's, how it's going to do. I, I, I definitely think if you buy multifamily and you have 300 units coming in, um, then kind of like the, that law of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, averages will kind of take into effect, you know, within that one property. Right. I mean, with, with 10 properties, I was kind of losing money on three of them was what I kind of saw. That was kind yeah. of like the ups and downs, ups and downs. And right. I don't know how many you have to get to steady state, but you know, if I, if I tell, that was the problem I was having when, you know, I know you do, um, some uh, mentoring too. And you, you know you have your buddy, and he goes and buys a couple of these rentals. There's a pretty good chance that he's going to lose money and have to come out of pocket with, for some of these things. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's like, what do you tell him? Like, sorry, man, you got unlucky. It's you know, three out of ten lose money. Go on and yeah. buy a few more. Maybe you can get more lucky. Yeah, I mean, you you have to understand how the numbers work. You have to understand that you know you're you're kind of taking a chance, and it's kind of counterintuitive, but you have a better chance of making money if you buy more <laughs> because you, you know, it's getting, getting to that right sample size, you know, because yeah, three on three out of 10, you'll lose money, but then three out of 10, you'll break even. And then four out of 10, you'll, you'll, you'll make money. Right. So. Right. I guess like total returns. What do you say you're humming along at? I mean, you're making cash flow, but you know, if you were to factor in appreciation, mortgage pay down, tax benefits. Right. You know, how, how do you compare it to, cause I know you do a little bit of stock trading, like you yeah. got to compare the two, right? You return exactly. equity. Yep. So my total returns, um, based on the total that I have, the total equity that I have invested versus the total returns over the past three years, I'm at about 53%. And so it's 53 total. So if you divide that by three, you know. now I have been crushing it a lot more with my last couple. Right. Cause you're starting to do a little bit more hands-on, a little more exactly. burr, right? Yeah. 
So if you divide that 53% by three, it's 17.6% uh, per year, yeah. uh, which, is, which is pretty good. But yeah, I mean, once you, once you get into the burr, you are kind of trading your time those much higher right. returns. Right, and, it, and, it's, and you can't really equate saying, oh, I made like infinite gains because, you know, you, you put in the sweat equity. You can't quantify that. Yeah, I should say that I, I didn't do any rehabs on my burrs. I didn't do any, I didn't touch a hammer, um, but I did spend a lot of time managing those contractors and making sure they were on time, on budget, um, you know, so it, definitely took a, a decent yeah. amount of my time. Right. So you're, you're one of those investors that are kind of definitely experienced and going to take that next step. Um, from what I see, I think most, most guys will go down the limited partner route into, you know, bigger syndications. You know, they, they more than likely won't be a general partner and, and kind of do that uh-huh. to figure out they have enough. Another yeah. cohort is kind of doing what you're already kind of doing is like the burst strategy. Cause they like, you know, seeing the end product. Um, and then another smaller group will do like non-performing notes. What, yeah. what kind of path are you heading? What's kind of your, where are you going to? Cause you, you're certainly not going to keep doing what you're doing. I'm not no. Um, I, I believe that single family homes is a, is a way to get started. Um, and honestly, the only reason that I'm doing it right now is because I'm building the, uh, the, uh, uh, equity through the burrs right um because it's like it's like you're driving a car it's like you're in first second third gear mm-hmm. it's the highest torque highest acceleration I mean. yeah i i feel like i can scale so like the, the key right now is scale scaling my portfolio scaling my equity um letting my equity grow either through debt pay down or through uh force appreciation um, but really in, in five to seven years when I'm ready to sell my single families, I'd like to 1031 those into those, like I said, those maybe four plexes or, or maybe, you know, six plexes, 10, 10 units, um, starting to scale up into those, you know, one or two bedroom apartments. There's a ton of them around here. That's cheap, they're cheap rents, um, but basically using that equity that I'm gaining right now in my single families to scale up into those. So more of a, like an A-class rental or like, just more, you know, nicer rentals. Is that, what do you mean by the condos? Uh, not necessarily nicer, just, uh, just going from single families to buildings with, with more units, multi-units. Okay. 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 So yeah, the, the multifamily route, which I mean, if you guys are listening at home, there's, there's um, several ways you can do it. The mom pond investor way, which is Kyle is kind of talking about where you graduate four, eight, 16, 32 units, or you kind of just go straight to the large stuff as either an, either an operator, which is a general partner or a limited passive passive. So kind of three roads down there. Yeah. I would like kind of my main source of income to come, to come from my uh, rental properties, but kind of like as at, as you've talked about, I would like to, once we hit that million dollars in net net worth, which is gonna gonna be another two or three years, um, I would like to look into being you know more of a you know limited partner, um, and uh, and uh, some of these other you know more more passive deals because honestly that's that's the end goal anyways. Is like right. like I said, I don't want to be hustling for these for these you know hundred thousand dollar properties you know for longer than five years i would say yeah i mean i I would i would say i most times i would not agree with the people doing what you're kind of doing but you know let's let's point out the obvious you're industrial engineer which is like probably the best major education that um for this real estate investing and um i mean you you have the experience and your day job is kind of in this realm too, this whole management and change right. management. Um, and you, you write freaking realliferentals.com, right? Like if anybody should be doing, being an operator, you should. I mean, I talk to like hundreds of people and I'm like, you're like in the top five percentile who should be doing this. Yeah. 
So I just want to caveat that for the folks listening. If there's anybody, this is the guy who should be doing it himself. <laughs> well, and, you know, the other thing I would add is, like I, like I keep saying, I don't want to be the one doing the rehabs. I don't want to be the one who's actually managing the properties. I'm finding the right people to do that for me. Um, and and kind, of, kind of like I said earlier, I'm making $1,700 a month off of my rentals right now, and I might spend an hour making that you know, $1,700 a month. If I were to be managing properties, I might be making you know, 20 or $30 per hour. But I realized that as an industrial engineer, you know, I could go be a consultant and I'm making 75 or $100 an hour. So it's always just saying, I want to put in the least amount of time and make the most money. So as long as I'm raising my, my, my hourly rate and everything that I do, then at the end of the day, I'm going to be using my time, you know, in, in the best way possible. Right. Just keep your head down keep working, but make sure that our, what you are doing is has a higher hourly rate. I think that's, exactly. Like you said. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, like the, the young kids, they listen to this podcast stuff and they're like, well, I'm going to do multifamily because that's what everybody says. But I mean, take it from a couple of industrial engineers here don't, that don't make a gazillion dollars a year. I mean, you've got to create, you've got to kind of start with small stuff, right? And get this critical mass to a point. Everybody's a little different when that's critical mass is enough to kind of vault you to the next stage. Any thoughts on like what your critical mass point is to kind of flip the switch and go more passive? Hmm, that's a good question. What I would like to do, first of all, the first step is to build our build our cash flow. And when I say our cash flow, I'm saying my, my, you know, family's cash flow so that we can pay for our monthly, just, just cost of living expenses. So paying our mortgage, paying for food, paying for daycare or whatever. Um, once we get to that number, I would really like to kind of back off. Um, and then, and then at that point is where I start to look for, opportunities to 1031 exchange my older single families into, you know, these small multi multi-families. Um, but I don't en envision myself kind of having to hustle as much at that point because I've, I've already got that simple passive cash flow coming in. Um, so I would hope at that point I kind of like ease off the gas, uh, you know, maybe look into investing in some syndications as well. Um, yeah, I would say once we hit that, once we hit that number. Cool. Cool. So we'll kind of go through some of these questions that um, I sent you back and I can tell you're okay. near because you actually write, send me a response <laughs> and you write it out. Most yeah. people just lose the email. You know, we talk about this Han Solo moment all the time and I guess it's kind of cool that I just saw the movie recently. They were just a bunch of low lifes. <laughs> talk to us a time when like you know you're working at the day job i don't know how long how long were you working till you kind of found this stuff what was like the trigger that finally made you buy a rental and kind of write that check yeah so first of all i love that that it's this you call this the, the han solo moment because i i do love star wars i will always remember this uh i was uh well i i still am so i'm i'm a consultant um and right out of college, I was this high-powered, you know, smart consultant, and I was traveling all, all the time, like literally all the time. So I'd yeah. fly out early Monday morning, fly back uh, like late Friday, and then get up Monday and do, do the same thing. And like taking red eyes and stuff, and like it was, it was fine at first. And, and it's then, cool, right? Because you're, you're in first class. People are like, oh, what is yeah. this like 20-year-old kid doing here? Right. right. Um, so I was doing that for a while, um, making lots of money. Uh, and it just kind of got to the point. I, I got married. Um, we bought a house. You know, we started to settle down, but I was still traveling. Um, but I, I will always remember uh, I was flying back one night and it was, you know, Friday night. And I think I got stuck in Chicago and it was like pouring down rain. I couldn't find a hotel room. And when I finally did, I, I think I got there at like 2 a.m. I did leave for my rebooked flight at like 6 a.m. I wasn't going to sleep. Um, and I just got back to that hotel room and I was just like, 
I can't keep doing this. Like, you know, I mean, whether it's for a year or two years, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life. Um, and then kind of the second thought was, well, what am I actually going to do? Cause, because having a normal job, um, where I just kind of go into the office every day and, you know, drive 30 minutes, sit in an office and then, and then drive 30 minutes home. It just sounded like it sounded terrible to me too. So it's just like, what do I actually want? And then, um, and that's when I started to really research like the idea of passive income and having my, my money work for me or, I mean, and then the next step was having other people's money work for me. Um, but I would say that's, that was kind of the turning point and I started reading, um, started learning and then uh maybe maybe about a year after that is when i bought my first you and i are kind of the same age and other people that i meet that are kind of in their early 30s it's kind of funny because we're all kind of dodging promotions you know trying to make up excuses like hey kyle you're a pretty smart guy you want to take that next manager role you know probably get you the director in a few years and you quietly have to kind of just say no or just like make up some kind of excuse like you know right so i've been saying that i've, I've kind of like a in, inside joke with my wife that i am the worst employee ever because i just like i don't i don't want to get promoted i don't want more responsibility um and so basically what i've changed with my job is i went from being a salaried consultant to basically being a contractor. Um, so I still work for the same company, but more as a contractor. And so like, I don't work Fridays anymore. Um, Fridays are meant for, for, for uh, spending time with my son. Um, so I take him on Fridays. I, I spend time on, on the business on Fridays. And then like, I take as much time off as I want. Like right now I'm off. I'm, I'm not getting paid. I'm, I'm talking to you. I think that was the flexibility that I, that I needed. Um, the other, the other thing that I did is I, I told them now that as a contractor, I can basically say no to projects. Um, so I pretty much told them I'm not going to travel anymore. So I only take local projects now. Right. But it's not like you're useless, right? I mean, you still want to make change. You want to be in a high leverage position, but just, you know, it's the ups and downs and of that kind of that project. And when you, you've had too much, you say no. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, something just occurred to me, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking like, you know, looking back on the first 10 years of my career, man, I feel so bad for that new kid that worked, you know, there for the first three, five years. Like, yeah. don't you want to just grab them at work one day and say, Hey, listen to me, kid. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what the heck are you doing? Like, right. Currently, uh, what what are you kind of working on these days? Any two week experiment and a six month project that you're working on? I would say my two week experiment. Um, this is this is the first time that I've done this, but as I've been trying to get more active and you know kind of finding deals and stuff, um, I uh, there was a guy who posted on Bigger Pockets who's local. He basically said, "Hey, I'm a young guy. I'm looking to learn." You know. If, if you're willing to spend time with me, then I'm willing to spend time kind of, kind of, you know, working, working for you. So, so I thought, Hey, like this might be, this might be kind of a win-win. So I met with the guy kind of like had him drive, drive around with me. We checked out some rehabs, uh, look, looked at a couple possible deals. And then I told him, Hey, if, if you want to help me, I, I said, Hey, I don't have a lot of time. You have a lot of time. Um, <laughs> So if you want to help me, if you just want to drive for dollars for me, which is basically you pick your target neighborhood and you just drive around and you just look for crappy properties and you just write down the, the address and then you either mail them or you call them. Um, so he's kind of working for me on that. So we'll, that's kind of my two week experiment, I'll call it. Uh, Cause we'll see, you know, if he's actually going to do it and then uh, see if I actually can, kind of help to yeah to yeah I've, I've actually been at that for like about a few months now i made this cool marvel trailer with uh, this idea of crowdfund aloha like sort of building an investment team i get a lot of these guys like they're super smart guys you know mbas engineering degrees like analysts i have a soft spot for like working professionals because they have all these skills and talents 
but it makes no sense for them to look for an apartment building for 12 to 18 months with no reward. Like it's just stupid for like a guy making 200 grand to do something like that. But if they were to somehow involve and get involved with a team and, and do things when they would like, and something that's already going 30 miles an hour, they can just jump on. I think that's what they're looking for. But so I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing. You know, for me, it's more about character. You know, that's the whole reason why I'm doing this. I don't really need it for the money. I, you know, I just kind of want to build a band of friends. So bring people on, teach them, trade them for a little bit of coaching for, you know, these side projects, kind of how you're doing, see how, how they are. I mean, a lot of people are pretty flaky out there. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just, I guess I should have known better, but, <laughs> but it's kind of like um, Star Wars, right? Like, you know, that's the theme throughout the movie. You know, the, the Jedi master teaches the student. <laughs> and then the student usually goes crazy, like Kylo Ren, right? Like that was right. part of the story that new Star Wars didn't show. But Luke had like a Jedi school. And that was when Kylo Ren went crazy and killed everybody and did all this other stuff. I'm not saying that someone's going to come in and take all your knowledge, Kyle, and, and then take everything from you. <laughs> like, it's not going to be like a CrossFit gym where you have a trainer and then he's going to steal all your clients or anything like right. that. But right. You want to invest your time and, and not just have it go to waste too, I think. So six month project. My six month project is I've been working on building a direct mail campaign. Um, Cause basically, you know, and, and you were, you were talking about it earlier, like, like the, the, the end goal is to get deals that cash flow. And, you know, so for me, I think of it as different, different processes. So it's like, a, it's like a flow. So think about like a, you know, manufacturing plant and there's different processes. Uh, my bottleneck in my whole business is deals. Right, acquisition, uh, right? Yeah. So finding those deals. So, uh, so I've been, you know, working on putting together a direct mail campaign. So I've sent out postcards to uh, absentee owners, you know, with a certain amount of uh, uh, equity in the property. And this is locally for you? That's local, yeah. Okay. And what's your uh, your simple passive cash flow number that you're kind of shooting for in your head? Yep. What? Uh, so we're shooting for about 6000 per month. Um, and that's based on the amount that we would need for both myself and my wife to not work. Um, now I think that number would probably move up if, and when we buy a new house, um, if, and when we buy a lake house, which is kind of one of our longer term goals. Um, and then if we have more, more kids, which we, which we will. Um, so we're going to have to move that number up. So, like, imagine you had two times that, just so you get a little bit more cushion. What would, right. what would that buy for you guys? What... Right. So, we would both not work. Um, we would spend a lot of time with the kids. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old now, and we have another one due in about a month and a half. Um, so, for me, I would wake up early before the wife and before the kids. I would do the uh, Miracle Morning Routine, which I'm not sure if you ever read that book. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've actually got like a Miracle Morning for Real Estate Investors little PDF that I, I wrote. Nice. So, if you nice. guys want that, let me know. It's one of the free gifts that I have. I was saving it for Christmas, but you guys can have it early. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do my meditation. I do uh, I do a, a, a one-hour one workout. Um, then when the kids and my wife wake up, we probably, probably go go do some kind of activity, something outside. Um, I also think which with, with our long-term goals being to have a lake house, um, I definitely want uh, – I, I want a fixer-upper lake house, and I want our next primary residence to be a fixer-upper. Um, and in my, you know, ideal world, by that time we've reached our cash flow number and I would basically spend my time, you know, working on my new lake house and working on my new, you know, primary, cool. primary house. Cool. Um, so when you do have all that, that cash and you're looking to burn it, um, you know, what's something that, that you, you kind of recently burned your cash on for a time savings or improvement quality of life? Yeah, so I would say what I, I, I didn't directly burn cash, but I burned the opportunity to earn more cash. Um, and then, and that was when I 
decided to not work on Fridays anymore. Um, so I just work. So when I am working, I just still work four days a week. Um, and that's so I can have Fridays with my son. Um, and that has absolutely worked wonders. Like, I just like, it feels so good to have that whole day with like just me and him and there's no other distractions or, or anything else going on. It's just me and him on Fridays. So that's, that's been awesome. Why don't you go with a Monday? Cause Monday suck. What was your thoughts there? Fridays are easier to take off as a consultant because typically we work from home on Fridays. Um, so we were traveling when, when I was traveling, it was Monday through Thursday. So like, so like, think about like, if I'm on a project and some, there's another consultant who travels in Monday through Thursday, and then they leave on Thursday. It makes a lot more sense for me to be on site the same days as that. Mm, got so it. That's why, that's why Fridays. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense if you have that day off. I mean, you're going to use it with your kid, but I'd probably use it to catch up on work before the weekend to get the get the work done first yeah i know basic basic uh questions <laughs> yeah i do i do some i i definitely do work on the business on fridays as well um i've i've spent time but i i take my son everywhere right because I, I can't <laughs> yeah can't leave him. i mean you save on like um what was it day, daycare right too right having that yeah yeah but i mean the money that I'm, that I could be making on Fridays would be so much more, you know, than the cost of uh, right. daycare. All right. Something that you recently changed your mind on as an investor. Uh, yeah. So I would say what I changed my mind on is when I first got into real estate investing, I, I thought of it as much more passive. Um, and that was kind of what I was working towards. Um, but then kind of like, it's just my personality. I like to have a, a little bit more control. And I found that, that I've been having a lot more success when I've been kind of doing the, the Burr model lately, lately, where I'm the one finding the deals. I'm the one finding the contractors. I'm the one managing the rehab. Um, and then I hand it off to my property manager. Um, so I would say that's kind of what I changed my mind on is kind of like how active I want to be. In right. Business. Right. And, and that was actually the next question was like, you know, more going out to more um, the newer investors with the seller's market and things, how they are, you know, you kind right. of mentioned that the burst strategy is kind of the way to gold, but what would you say to like a newer, like a complete newbie? Do they kind of dive into the deep end of the pool with this stuff and do the burr or what's your, what would you recommend to like a buddy trying to get started that you don't have the quite time to hold their hand? Right. I would definitely not recommend jumping into Burr. Um, I mean, there's so many, there's so many other things that can go wrong. Um, I would say if you have the money, go ahead and buy, buy turnkey, uh, whether it's buying from a turnkey company or just buying a property, you know, near you that cash flows, that's, relatively in good uh, con condition either that or if, if they don't you know if they need a place to live they could buy a, buy a house hack you know which is where you buy a multi multi-unit property and you live in one of the units and you rent out the others so that's that's what i would say but you i mean that's the thing you got to fight through that initial point i always use the metaphor that little cute sea turtle you always see that video of when they come out of the sand trying to make their way to the water everybody's everybody's trying to like poach on them and all the seagulls are trying to eat them all the sharks right and they get in the ocean right. trying to eat them and that's kind of indicative of all the shysters out there and all these <laughs> you know these these bad properties that are being um, put around to for mostly for californians that don't know any better yeah exactly it's hard but you got to fight through yeah and you know the other thing is there's there's just so many people looking to get into real estate right now. So you really do have to be careful. You don't want to just get swept up. So you want to make sure you're thinking all the time about like, um, you know, does this property at actually cash flow? What's my exit strategy? Um, you know, and you want to make sure you vet, you know, whoever's going to be selling it to you or managing it for you. Right. Right. All right, well, we made it to the end here. And this is the Tony Robbins question. He talks about the science of achievement and the secret 
uh, to the art of fulfillment. What is your secret or hack to the science of achievement? How do you get things done? Any secret habits or nighttime rituals, morning rituals? And you said you do the, the more miracle morning thing, but any other quirky items? Yeah, I don't know if I have anything quirky. Um, kind of my, my answer to this is that I try to be strategic in everything that I do. So every, you know, some people might think that I'm taking all kinds of risks and that I'm like a real estate cowboy riding in here and buying properties for cash and, you know, rehabbing them. Um, but I'm constantly, everything that I do is I say, you know, okay, if I, if I buy this, this property in this location and I'm trying to refinance it, like, what if I can't refinance it? What if the rehab goes wrong? What if I can't find a tenant? Uh, what if the, what if the rents drop 20%? You know, what if I, what if I have a six month vacancy? Um, so I'm constantly thinking about what would happen if all these different things happen. Um, and just having a backup plan in place for, for all those things. And I think if you have, if you've constantly thought through all those and you have a plan in place, then you can be a lot more confident. Um, and then you can, you know, when that deal comes up and you, it's met all your criteria and you know, you have multiple backup plans in place, then you, then you can act. Right. Right. It's like when you're seeing a 11 come up on the blackjack table, you can double down. Yeah, after that. yeah exactly. Cool. So your secret or hack to the R fulfillment. Okay. So I would say the way that I do this is, um, I just act with in, in, integrity, integrity and honesty in, in everything that I do. So in like building a team, finding contractors, finding property managers, even like the few times that I've dealt with tenants, like I want to make sure that I'm treating people how, how I would like to be treated. Um, and, and that just comes, it, it just comes back to you. So you know, if you, if you build the right team, you, you, you treat them right. They're going to, they're going to treat you right. And then, you know, that's what helps you kind of feel, feel, feel good at the end of the day. Right. Right. It's one of those things like self-awareness is one of the biggest um, traits I think you can have. Cause if you have that, you can keep course correcting. It's always funny seeing, seeing these guys like, you know, they don't, they're always nickel diming people. <laughs> and, and I know that's what they're doing with their vendors. Right. And they come to find out six, 12 months later, it seems like they're kind of struggling with their portfolio. They're getting right. quotes. And I'm like, yeah, because you're like dicking everybody around. Nobody, yeah, exactly. wants, to Nobody wants to right. help you. You're a taker, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I've got my, my, con my contractors, if, if I don't have a deal, they're texting me and saying, hey, I want to do another deal. My, if I don't have a deal, my property manager's texting me and he's saying, Hey, I want to do another deal. Can I, can I help you find a deal? Like these guys want to work with me and that's exactly the kind of team that I'm, that I'm trying to build. I want people who are eager to work with me. I don't want to be a burden to them. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, the, the point is like when you get to a certain point where you're, you're pretty well networked, you know, everybody, the only difference is like who's less of a pain in the ass or even more, who's yeah. more fun to work with. Right. There's some other reading, simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey, where I kind of compiled all my uh, turnkey stuff before I forget it in that article and then the analyzer. Um, and then also check out Kyle's website, realliferentals.com. He does an absolutely great job of like tracking the monthly portfolio performance. And, um, you know, I mean, something that I just never had the time for to do nor yeah, I mean, it's kind of painful to do that, but I appreciate, you know, you putting all that up on, online. Um, any, anything else, you know, any, any last messages for the, the newer folks um, trying to get into rental properties? Yeah, I would say, you know, my main message for uh, newer folks is, you know, definitely read all the books, listen, listen to the podcast, but at some point, you know, you've, you've gotten enough in information from the books and the podcast. And at some point you just have to act. Um, so I would say, you know, try to, try to be, a, a, be aware of what that point is where it's time to actually take action. Cool. Cool. Well said. Well said. All right, Kyle. Well, thanks for uh, jumping on. We'll um, 
we'll, we'll keep in touch, man, I'm sure. All right, sounds good, thank you. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.